Hello, church family. We are so glad you chose to worship with us today. Here are a few announcements. If you are a visitor today, we are so glad that you've joined us. In the seat in front of you, there is a visitor card. We would love for you to scan the QR code to fill out some information for us to get to know you better. We also have a special gift for you at the welcome desk. Once again, thank you for being our guest today. If you have children with you this morning and would like to know more about our children's programs, please see one of our greeters. We have fun and exciting programs for all ages. If you have been praying about becoming a member of Bible Baptist and would like to know more about our church, we have a Bridge to Membership class that meets on the first two Sundays of each month at 4 p.m. Classes will begin April 2nd. To sign up, please see Jesse Kuhn. We have several outreach opportunities throughout the week here at Bible Baptist Church. Both meetings will take place at 10 a.m. here at the Bridge Campus on Thursday and Saturday mornings. And finally, on Sunday, April 9th, we will be celebrating Easter Sunday. We will have a 7 a.m. service following with a breakfast and our regularly scheduled Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. We will not be having Sunday school or an evening service that Sunday. Please make plans to attend. We look forward to a great day of worship at Bible Baptist Church. Good morning. Let's all stand. Good to see everyone here. Thank you for coming to our 11 o'clock service. Let's sing together, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride. The Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me. service. We already had uh, families join our church this morning. Uh, had a great first service. And uh, it's spring break week, so all of our college students are home. Um, tons, of families, uh, tons of families there for Greenville County. Tons of families uh, text me and said, uh, Pastor, we'll see you next Sunday. We're going out of town. And of course, you know, when that's said, if we want them to have a great time. But as many families that text me, I was wondering if anybody would be at church today. I'm a little nervous. Uh, there was tons that went out of town. But, uh, man, we have so many of our faithful folks, of course, here this weekend. And then guests, visitors, thank you for being with us. Uh, Bible Baptist Church, 
really, uh, really takes an honor for you being here and just uh, what a blessing it is. We're going to receive our offering. Uh, today is our Higher Grounds offering, uh, theme of this year. And our church is going places, God's blessing. Uh, what we're going to do with this offering today, uh, above our tithes, of course, and our missions, is we're going to uh, the room behind the auditorium. We're making into a coffee area, so we're going to knock out a back wall back here and open up that little uh, area uh, for coffee, fellowship, discipleship, and uh, some things there. We've already done a lot of things, some new signage going up. We've only been in this building for a little over a year, and uh, so it's, it's been a blessing. While we're in here, our Spanish congregation meets down at the old building, and our uh, kids' ministries are all down there uh, for the most part, other than nurseries. And so we're using both campuses. In case you uh, were visiting and you were kind of confused as to which church to go to, they're both Bible Baptists, but uh, we try to try to make it as, as uh, plain as possible. But we are glad that you're with us today. And we're going to receive this offering. We're going to pray over it. And if you're visiting with us, take a picture of that QR code or fill out that back card, and we'd love to be, uh, get better acquainted with you uh, today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, Lord, your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for... Uh, this gorgeous day that we could come and worship, uh, Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, what you've already done in our hearts already today through the preaching of God's word and the worship, I, I thank you for it. Thank you for sending friends our way today, that guests and visitors. And uh, Lord, uh, we, we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, it's blessed my heart. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll, uh, Lord, just move in a mighty way, uh, Lord, if there's someone here today that just needs some encouragement, I pray that you would encourage them through the text uh, that we'll preach today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together as the deer panteth for the water. As the about to sing. There's coming a day when no heartache shall come. Aren't you thankful for heaven? Let's sing this together. There's coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore. Save me by His grace when He takes me. 
together the last song we sing though the nations rage kingdoms rise and fall there's still one king sing this with us though the nations rage kingdoms rise and fall there is still one king reigning over all so I Father, we again thank you, uh, Lord, for your mercy and uh, your grace. And Lord, that you have already met with us today. And Lord, thank you for uh, the word that we'll preach here in just a moment. Thank you for a place called heaven that we can go to. And our hearts doesn't have to be troubled today. In this day of troubling news, in this day of anxiousness, in this day of, uh, Lord, fear, I pray that, uh, Lord, there'll be some people that uh, are not troubled 
by this world's news, but look to a heavenly news in God's Word. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. When I think of heaven and all the sights I'll see,
dark Calvary that is my only plea. It's through the Grab your copy of God's Word and join me in John chapter 14. I so appreciate you being here. We were in the same uh, chapter last week. I've been in the Gospel of John since January of last year, preaching verse by verse, just going through. And we still have a ways to go, but I'm in one of my favorite chapters in the Gospel of John. Last week I preached on Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. This week I'm going to preach on Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, part two. Amen. And, uh, and next week, I plan on preaching, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, Part 3. And uh, you say, why? Well, I'll tell you why. We have a lot of troubled hearts today. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, every, just seems like every church, every, I was in two different churches this week, uh, preaching once in, in uh, Pennsylvania for a few nights at a, an expositor's conference. And then uh, yesterday, I preached a wild game supper uh, for another church in North Carolina and had souls saved. There had six people trust Christ last night at the Wild Game uh, Supper. And, and, uh, but you know what? Talking to folks, man, just meeting people and, and airports. I sat beside a lady on the way uh, to, to Pennsylvania and she told me what was going on in her life. And my heart broke. Uh, man, I preached with a guy whose wife died four months ago of cancer. Uh, I preached, his name's Dale Vance. Dale has a touch of the Lord on his life. And, uh, but, but Dale's wife went to be with the Lord four months ago at the age of 40-some years old, uh, died of cancer. Uh, people are troubled. Uh, you, you leave this, if you were to leave right now, if you were to leave right now and go home, straight home and turn the television on, I promise you, I promise you, there's no good news on it. No matter what station you turn it to, no matter if you're a Fox News watcher or a CNN watcher or a whatever else watcher you are, it doesn't matter. They don't, listen, they don't get ratings for good news. Ratings, listen, good news does not sell. Good news does not get viewers. It's the troubling news. It's troubling. People, people there are troubling times. There's troubling times in churches. Troubling times on the spiritual front, if you will. <clears throat> There's troubling times. And so uh, the reason I'm spending three Sundays, last week, this week, and uh, Lord willing, next week, uh, in John 14, in these few verses, I preached the first three verses last week. I'm going to preach the next three today. Why, why is it that, uh, Pastor, why don't you just move on? Okay, we get it. Let not our hearts be troubled. We get it. Well, because uh, this week I've, I've talked to people who have troubled hearts. And let me just say, our heart could be troubled this week. We're just around the corner from a phone call, from a doctor's visit, from something that can happen. Today, our society is actually moving from, from pluralism to what I call syncretism, which pluralism is, is a, uh, is a uh, coexisting religion. So uh, you've seen the bumper stickers before that says coexist, and they have a different symbol for, for different uh, religions. Uh, and, our, and that's been around since the 80s and the 90s and that, that coexisting coming around. And, and, but now we've moved from pluralism to a syncretism, which is let's take a little bit of this and let's take a little bit of that and let's take a little bit of this and let's form it together. And let's just blend what we like about this religion and what we like about this and this faith and let's just put it together and let's just make our own religion. Some people treat religion like a buffet. They just take a plate and they just go and what they pick and they, they put it together. And, and so that's literally what we're seeing. They like a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of New Ageism, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Protestant doctrine, a little bit of Catholicism. And so they put them all on this big heaping plate and they call that 
their faith. That's all over our nation right now. People are so confused. People are so confused. Listen, church. People are so confused about how to get to heaven. And Jesus says it right here. Chapter 14, he makes it clear. Peter asked in, in chapter 13, we covered this a few weeks ago, but Peter, Simon Peter, in verse 36 of chapter 13, Peter asked, he said this, Lord, whither thou goest? Or whither goest thou? It, basically, Peter was asking in verse 36, after Jesus in that upper room has revealed some things to them, 24 hours, Jesus is going to die. He's going to a cross. The disciples never understood the cross. They didn't understand the death and the resurrection. And Peter says, Lord, where are you going? You know I would die for you. You know I'd lay your life down. Of course, Peter then is, is told by Jesus that he's going to deny the Lord three times. Well, then in the next chapter, a man by the name of Thomas, another disciple, we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas gets a bad rap. But Thomas, in verse number 5, he asked a question. He said unto the Lord, he said this, We know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thomas asked that question. Lord, how do we get there? Thomas is wanting to know where the Lord's going, and, 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 or a, a Peter wants to know where the Lord's going, and Thomas wants to know how to get there. And don't you just love it when you're sitting in a classroom, maybe back in school, you can remember these days when the teacher had just said something, there may be teaching, and you don't understand it, but you're afraid to speak up because you might look like you're, you're the uneducated one in the room. You remember that? It reminds me of the quote of Abraham Lincoln. It, it better is remain, it, it, he said this, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and to remove all doubt. <laughs> And so you were relieved when your buddy Tom across the room over there raised his hand and he says, hey, teacher, he said, I, I don't understand. Could you back up and start over again? And you're over there going, yes. I didn't have to ask that question. Well, here Thomas asked the question. You know what? Often people give Thomas a bad rap for asking the question, but I'm glad he asked it. Because when Thomas asked this question, it gave Jesus the entryway to give one of the most powerful declarations in all of Scripture. He said in verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Isn't that good? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes. And Lord, I pray that you will help us in this matter of troubling hearts. People are troubled on every side. And Lord, even these disciples in this text, they were troubled at what they had heard. They knew something was happening. Their, their Savior, their Master, their Teacher was leaving them, and it troubled them. And Lord, as these divine questions were asked, I pray that, Lord, we'll see the answer, and it's right here in our text. The answer to all of our troubles is Jesus. I pray you'll help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach, as I said, let not your heart be troubled. The first thing I want you to notice is this. There's a divine proposition. A divine proposition because Thomas raises his hand. He asks the question, Lord, where are you going? How can we get there? Jesus said in verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, this, the way we kind of see this verse, it's very fascinating. In verse 6, Christ's answer was not just one thought. Jesus is not just saying here in verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, though we read it that way. But if you, if you were to look at the Greek, it's, these are three different thoughts. Jesus said, I am the way, dot, dot, dot. I am the truth, dot, dot, dot. I am the life. These were three separate statements all put in one verse. We call them predicates. They would be as if the Greeks would read it this way, and you might want to add to it on your, maybe the margin of your Bible. The, the Greeks would have read it this way. I am the only way, I am the only truth, and I am the only life. Now, I want everyone to simply see this today. And I'm going to, it's a simple message today because, to be honest, the text preaches. But I want, to, I want to take these three statements, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I want us to be encouraged today. This encouraged my heart. This text today encouraged me greatly. The first thing that I want us to see is I am the way. Look at verse 6. I am the way. Remember that Jesus did not tell his disciples in this verse that he would show them the way to heaven. 
He told them that he was the way to heaven and that there's a lot more, and by the way, that's a lot more comforting, right? Uh, boys, let me just say, here, here's the way to heaven. If Jesus would have said, here's the way to heaven, let me, let, me, let me show you. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I am the way. There's a whole lot more comfort to that. And imagine that you come to a strange town. I was in a strange town this week. I don't mean strange like strange, but an unfamiliar town. I was in Nottingham, Pennsylvania. How many of you know where Nottingham, Pennsylvania is? It's about, nobody does. Okay, good. And uh, strange to you too. So uh, about an hour from Baltimore, flew into Baltimore and uh, went over to uh, Nottingham, Pennsylvania. Nottingham Baptist Church, uh, good-sized church, wonderful people. And uh, they took me through the day. They preached me to death. I mean, I preached uh, every morning and every evening for three days. And then I preached last night, so seven times. This is eight, nine, nine times, all right, this week. And uh, so uh, I, I was preaching, but in the middle of the day, after the morning session, they, they took me to uh, a place called Haverty Grace, Maryland. How many of you know where Haverty Grace, Maryland? It's a very historic town. Man, y'all go anywhere? And uh, none of you go anywhere. All right, so Haverty Grace, Maryland, it's, uh, there's a lot of, how many of you love or eat crab cakes? Raise your hand, crab cakes, good. Oh, now we got some hands up. All right, so crab cakes. This is the, like, home place of the Maryland crab cake, all right? So I love seafood. And they took me to a place there, and they said, Preacher, if you love seafood, if you love sea scallops, if you love lobster, and if you love crab, this is heaven. I walked in, and let me tell you something. Oh, it was wonderful. I could almost see a pearly gate right there and a street of gold. I mean, it was lobster, crab, scallops, anything. They have what they call a rockfish. It was absolutely amazing. Well, then right beside this place to eat, they had a row of antique stores. How many of you, listen, I love antiques. And so they said, Preacher, this is the duck hunting capital of the world. Now, I always thought Arkansas was. But, but what they meant by that is these were all the decoys are made, all the duck decoys. I collect duck decoys. And they said, you got to go here because these people make these duck decoys. So I walked through these antique stores, and listen, I bought duck decoys. But I couldn't get them home because I'm flying. I didn't check any bags, just brought a couple carry-ons. And so I said, how do I get them home? They said, well, you can ship them. Uh, just buy them, put them in a box at the post office. And I said, where's the post office? This woman's standing there. And I said, where's the post office? And she looked at me and said, you don't know where the post office is? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not from around here. She said, I know that. And I said, well, how do you know that? She said, you talk different. I said, thank you. I tried to draw it out as much as possible. She, she was being uh, kind, I guess. And, uh, but she said, you go around the corner, and there's a post office. So I went to the corner, bought a box, taped it up, put these, so it'll be arriving tomorrow. I'm pretty excited. It's almost like Christmas all over again, you know, and I already know what I'm getting, right? So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, but a strange area. I didn't know where that post office was. I didn't know anything about that area. I had to go around and ask where to go. I had to ask where the directions are. It's like going up north and you start, uh, when I preached way up north, like Vermont and Maine and New Hampshire, here's how them people up there tell you how directions are. Ma'am, could you, could you show me where the post office is? She'll say, sure. And she'll say, head down this road and then take a right north. And then when you go up there, head east. And then you'll take another and you'll head northwest. And I'm looking at him like, I didn't need a compass on my dash. I don't know, north, south, east. I mean, you're going all these directions. Who does that? In the south, we're like, you know where that big oak tree is down there at the corner? You take a right there at that corner. And you, you remember that old truck out there? He sat out there for you, that old Chevy. It's a 56 Chevy. You turn right there, right before that. That's how we do it in the south. Those of you that have migrated here, uh, you ever ask me for directions? It's going to be by sight. It's going to be by sight. Yeah, man, you go down there. You said, oh, you know where that Smokey's restaurant is? That re you turn right. It's about two miles before that. You know, it was bad direction. I'm a bad direction giver. I know where I'm going, but you know what I mean. And here in the south, we have to go by location. We go by, you know that farmhouse? You know where them, that, that, them cows are always at the corner? You know where that, turn right there. That's how we do it. Up there, it's, it's all by north. So we, we go to these Areas, and they're all unfamiliar areas. And by the way, you think about it. One of the reasons men re ask for directions rarely. We have such poor memories. So as soon as we get the directions, we forget as we pull away. 
That gives our wives ammunition. Because they never forget the details of directions. Now, at least I, I'm terrible if, if you tell me something, especially if you lay it out that way. I'm like, no, phone numbers. Oh, phone numbers are terrible. You say, Pastor, call, and, and you'll, you'll be, I'll have my phone there, and you'll be tight. And, and as soon as I get to the next number, I've done for God. Y'all know how it is. And since I'm on this, uh, this thing, I, I read a story about uh, Billy Graham one time. Billy Graham told a time when he was a young preacher, just starting out. He arrived in a small town for the very first time. He was wanting to mail a letter back home and tell him how the thing was going and, and, and where he was at. And so he stopped a young boy on the street and he asked directions to this post office. And the young boy told him uh, where it was. And then uh, Reverend Graham said uh, to the boy, Now listen, if you'll come to church this evening where I'm preaching revival, I'm going to tell everybody there how they can go to heaven. And that young boy thought for a minute, and he, he said, I don't think I want to come because you didn't know where the post office is. <laughs> you think about it. But listen, what if we were to ask somebody directions in a town we wasn't familiar with? And that person, instead of telling us, they look at us and say, I've got something better. I'll show you. I'll show you where it's at. And they literally leave the counter and they walk outside and they walk you down the street and they walk you to the post office. Listen, Jesus in John chapter 14 says, I am the way. I'm going to do something better than just telling you I'm going to be the way. Hey, listen, it doesn't get much better than that. There's an exclusive dogmatic statement that does not, listen, it doesn't allow any other uh, way to God but only His way. Heaven is exclusive. It's an exclusive place. I read a story this week about a lady in 1985. An unclaimed suitcase arrived, a big suitcase arrived at LAX airport there in Los Angeles. And when customs arrived to, to open this suitcase because it was mysterious, there was no name, there was no address, it was just a suitcase. When it arrived, they uncovered and found that there was a body inside this suitcase of an of a unidentified woman. They started researching this woman and come to find out this woman had a husband who lived in America and this woman had come from Iran and she wanted to be with her husband who had been over here for several years, could not get a visa to get here, could not get approved and so she, uh, instead of, of, of trying something that would be logical or something that would make sense, she did something that would be unthinkable. And by the way, I don't know, you know, even if she would have got, survived such a, a traumatic trip and such a dangerous trip, she would have been caught by the, the customs and they would have, you know, would have probably took her back to her country. Listen, there was only one way logically here. She tried to go bypass the law and bypass even common sense and she tried something very dangerous and by the way, it didn't work out. And there's so many people that are trying to get to heaven their own way. And let me just say this. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Matter of fact, Peter, he was preaching in Acts chapter uh, 4. Let me, let me just, just a little excerpt of, of Peter's message. He preached in Acts chapter 4, verse number 10. He said this, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. That this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Here's what Peter said in verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What was Peter saying? Hey, the only way to salvation, the only way to heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the message that was preached in Acts 4 is the message on this day in March 19, 2023. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ. Christ. So he says, I am the way. The second thing he said is, I am the truth. I am the truth. He said that G. Campbell Morgan said this when he expounded this threefold declaration. He said, Jesus says, I am the way. This is the way to the Father. I am the truth. And that is the truth about the Father. In other words, what G. Campbell Morgan was saying is, if you want to know the truth about God, 
You want to know the truth about heaven? You want to know the truth about hereafter? If you want to know the truth about God, study Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the way to God. He is the truth of God. He's the very life of God. And Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God himself. And this is what Paul meant when he wrote in Colossians. He said, for by him is the fullness of deity or the Godhead. This is, this is a, 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 a declaration. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what the power of God looks like, look at the works of Jesus. If you want to know the exclusive representation of truth about God, look to Jesus. Everything you want to find about God, look to His Son, Jesus Christ. Now the question a lot of times the world says is, is Jesus telling the truth here? Is Jesus actually declaring the truth? Well, you know, what's, you know how society views the Bible. They look at it sometimes as a fanciful tale. They look at it as a fable or folklore. Now, this carpenter from Nazareth, he was inventing uh, maybe some fancy tale to get more followers. I've heard people say that. He's maybe telling clever stories. Of all the many reasons why Christ is indeed the truth, one would, would be this. If you observed any other major religions around the world, if you've paid attention to any of their founding fathers or their founders, there's one thing they all have in common. They all have a place where they died. And they also all have a place where they're still at. A tomb. A grave. I was just in the Holy Land last month or month and a half ago. I went to the garden tomb and I went to the, the, the church of the Holy Sepulchre. Both of them, what they'd say either one could be it. And I went to both of those places. And let me just say this. We peeped in some tombs and guess what? He wasn't there. And it doesn't matter what tomb you think he was in in Jerusalem. Let me just say this. He is not there for he has risen. Amen. And that's the difference between our founder and theirs. As ours is alive. He is the truth. All other religions of the world tell you a myriad of works. They, you have to work your way here. But, but go back to verse number 1 of our text in John 14. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Who is doing everything there? Jesus is. What are we doing? Nothing. We're not doing one thing. We're not working. He's not telling us to build our own mansion, our own place of living, our own dwelling. He's not telling us to try to figure it out. He said I'm preparing a place. Guess what? I said this last week. That place has been prepared for 2,000 years. That place has been prepared for you and for me and for our loved ones. It's a place called heaven, what we just sung about. Hey, I thank God for that place. It ought to encourage you. Let not your heart be troubled. Yet what is Jesus saying that is troubled? Because it is dogmatic to our flexible world, because it is a narrow-minded to our open-minded world, because it's intolerant of any other view in society that supposedly applauds tolerance. Some famous historian by the name of Arnold Toynbee, he said this, he predicted that governments of the world would unite either by force or federation and by the unity they could, they could not succeed without a universal religion. Christianity, he said, would be purged of its sinful state of mind and namely its exclusivism. And here's what he meant by that. That Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He said in order for this one world religion to exist, in order for everything to make sense, we have to get rid of those who believe that Jesus is the only way. Well, my friend, I got news for him. That is the truth. And if you get rid of that teaching then that, that is eternal damnation. Friend, you have to understand that Jesus himself is the only way. I like what one commentator said this. He said, I've discovered that, less, that, that the less some people know about Christ, the more they like him. The baby in the manger touches even the most cynical soul. The Sermon on the Mount is treated with reverence. He is worthy to be spoken of as a first among equals, but he said this, However, since Christ said 
that the world would hate him, we can be sure that when the world loves him, it is because they have made him into something that he is not. Be careful when the world says they love Jesus. Christians should not be flocking to things that the world made of Jesus. What that looks like, I I don't know. There's so many different things. But let me tell you, a lot of the Jesuses that you see in this world is not the Jesus that I'm preaching to you because somebody has made him into something that he is not. We serve the Jesus of the Bible. We love the Jesus of the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, then we need to stay away. We need to be, be careful. Oh, there's a lot of teaching out there. You say, Pastor, why do you preach the Word? Why do you go verse by verse? Why do you teach doctrine? Why do you teach the Word like you do and preach it? I'll tell you why. Because if, if we're not careful, we'll just pick hobby horses and we'll pick different things that we want to just preach all the time. But listen, this world needs something and it needs truth. And we need to preach the hard topics. We need to preach the real Jesus. And we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some, listen, the church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to stop watering down the message and preach Jesus. An absolute. We're living in a time where there's no absolutes. We're living in a time of modernism where there's no absolute truth. I mean, we can look at a burning eye on a stove with boiling water and some person can say, that's hot. And another person walk by and say, boy, that's cold. And both are true. There is no absolute truth today. The truth is, if you stick your hand in that pot, you're going to go, ouch! I would love to see that person that said that's cold stick his hand on it. He'll find out soon that his logic ain't working. That his, his, uh, his evidence is wrong and that he's looking at it wrong. But listen, either we're right and the other false gospel teaching, all of it, they're wrong, or they're wrong and we're right, but we both can't be right. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let's look at his life, and I'll be through. The apostle John was captivated by this word life. In the Greek, it means the word zoe, He uses this 56 times in the gospel of John. The Lord Jesus himself used the word, and for the first time when he said it's recorded in Matthew chapter 7. Turn with me to Matthew's gospel real quick. Matthew chapter 7, and I want to show you how they used Matthew 7. The first time when he said it, Jesus, of course, is is speaking in Matthew 7. I believe it starts in verse number 13, if I'm not mistaken. Look at what he says. He says, Enter ye in the straight, which means narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight, which is narrow, is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto, here it is, life. Zoe. This is life abundantly, life eternal. Jesus said, I am the life. I am eternal life. I am everlasting life. That's what Jesus is. And he says, there's few that go this way. It's a narrow way. It's a straight way. It's a a way that leadeth to this eternal life. Listen, that right there shows us that this open-mindedness of heaven is not good. It's a narrow way. What's narrow about it? Jesus is the only way. And he says there, narrow is way which leadeth them to life, and few there be that find it. He also said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. So if you and I want to experience the fulfilled life, God intended life here on earth and later the thrilling dimensions of eternal life. Heaven, as we sung uh, just a minute ago, Jesus said, I am the life. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Other religions, uh, they take bad men and they try to make them better. But Jesus is the only one qualified to take a dead man and make him alive. That's my Jesus. That's what he can do for you. I can testify of that life. 
I can testify that 30 years ago, as a 13-year-old boy, uh, I, I bowed my head and I asked Jesus Christ to save my soul. I said, Lord, I'm lost. I grew up in a preacher's home. I grew up in a good home, a very uh, sheltered home, a good church. But I found that I needed the Jesus that I was reading about and that I was hearing preached. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that saved an old drug addict over here, an old drunk. Hey, listen, we need that grace. We need that love. We need that mercy. And it's the life, the abundant life. Jesus Christ is the end of your search for the way to heaven. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, uh, he said, and the ears will hear the word of God. And behind you, and this is the way, walk ye in the way. David would cry out in Psalms 86, I believe, in verse number 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy way. What was David saying? Teach me the life. Teach me the truth. Teach me these things. Christ has already been revealed, and to those who stand in Him will be saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and almost through, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way to eternal life is through Jesus. Amen? Here's the second thing. We have the divine verdict. Let me just make a few statements. If Jesus Christ is the way, if Jesus Christ is the way, you are lost unless you are following His direction. If Jesus Christ is the truth, you are deceived unless you are believing His message. And if Jesus Christ is the life, you are hopeless unless you are receiving His free gift. Jesus Christ is not one God among many. He is the only God. Jesus Christ is not one kennel of divine truth. He is the only truth. Jesus Christ is not one path to heaven among many. He is the only path to heaven. Even He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, I've preached many funerals. I've preached many funerals of saints who have known the Lord, had a wonderful testimony. And listen, their life preaches their funeral. Uh, it's not a hard thing for a pastor um, other than the emotion and love getting through that, but it's not a hard thing for a, a pastor to preach a man or a woman who loved Jesus their funeral. As far as a challenge, man, their life preached it. Their testimony preached it. But let me tell you something very difficult. Y'all listen. It is difficult to preach a funeral of someone you were not sure about. It's very difficult. I was called just, uh, ah, it's been two or three years ago, someone called me and they said, Pastor, it was Alan down here at the funeral home in, in Fountain Inn. He said, Pastor, he said, uh, there's a family down here that needs a pastor. They don't have a pastor to, to preach their funeral. They want a, a preacher to, to do the funeral. I said, I'd be glad to. I went down to the uh, funeral home and, and met the family. And let me tell you, you could tell that there was really no God in the family at all. There was no, there was no, no God. And I, I remember talking to Alan and he said, Preacher, this is going to be difficult because even the way they died, oh, it was terrible the way they died. Alan didn't know, how, he said, I don't know how you're going to do this funeral because of even the way they died. It's just how this is going to be comforting. And I said, I'll tell you, Alan, how it's going to be comforting. It's the gospel. I've heard men preach funerals of people that they did not know and preach them into heaven. Just, just talk good about them. They said, oh yeah, he's down there walking on. Didn't know one thing about him. Listen, if you asked me to preach a loved one's funeral, I would be honored to do it. But we better have a testimony of salvation if you expect me to talk about heaven. I'm not going to get up there and lie. Now, I would never, dis listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'd never dishonor anybody at a funeral. I'd never talk bad about anybody, no matter what kind of life they preach. You say, Pastor, then what did you do? I told them how they could go to heaven. That's literally what I did. I mentioned some things about the person that the family told me, about some, maybe some character things and some funny little situations, and I read it. And they, you know, then I said, let's just, the most important thing is this. We're at a funeral and we're faced with death. And there's so many misconceptions about death. But one is that death is real. 
And there's another thing that we need to realize is there's a heaven and there's a hell. And the truth is you go to either one. And literally gave the gospel. Oh, there was people saved that day. But here's the deal. Listen. In a, in a day of troubling hearts, the only thing that will bring true peace and joy I'm talking about in this trouble. And by the way, church, can I just say this? The reason Jesus is saying this is because things are about to get more real. They're going to see their rabbi, their master, their teacher drugged through the streets. They're going to see their, their leader ripped his beard out. They're going to mock him, strip him of his clothes. They're going to nail him to a cross. They're going to see things they never thought they would ever see. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Church, can I just say this? We're about to see things we've never seen. Oh, things are going to get better, are they? Does it look that way? Because I'm not seeing that. Oh, you say, Pastor, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. It is. Because we Christians have an escape. You say, escape? Well, let me, let me use a better word. We have a comfort. We don't escape the trial. We'll go through it like everybody else. But our comfort will be, let not your heart be troubled. Because one day, we will be with Jesus. And even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of, hey, how can I preach with a man whose wife died of cancer four months ago? How in the world could a man get back up and preach? I sit there and watched him. He preached with power. How could a man do that so young? It's the comforting of the Spirit of God. It's the comforting of knowing our hearts can be at peace with God even in the midst of a trial. I've heard preachers get up before Brother Joel and say, you have no ministry without a wife. Well, what about him? I know what they're meaning. But what about our brother who just lost his wife to cancer? What about him? Does he not have a ministry anymore? Oh, no, his ministry may be greater than it ever has been. You know what a wife does? A wife validates your ministry. My wife keeps me. She's, she's kind of, understand what I mean by this. A good wife is somewhat of like the Holy Spirit in a home. She comforts. She encourages. She keeps me straight. She keeps me sane. A good wife would keep a man stable. But what happens when that's taken away from you? His loving arms comes around. And you get to experience real comfort. Let not your heart be troubled. I don't know what's troubling you this morning, but I know one that can take care of it. And if you're lost today, I've got real good news for you. You're in a wonderful place.